What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doft Geo, the fans of podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. It is Monday, March 21st. It is exactly 9.40 in the a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the only legitimate time zone, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Rob Doster. I have with me Terrence Oglesby, the Rifleman, Clemson's finest, and the one and only John Fanta, everybody's favorite college basketball personality. I'm fired up, guys. The Sweet 16 is here. We're presented by our partners over at Bet River Sportsbook. Uh, we're going to talk plenty about what's coming up in the tournament next weekend, but we have to look back first. Fanta, you were in Buffalo. You were in Pittsburgh. You had a chance to watch all the games while you were there. Give me give me the – what's the moment that's going to stand out for you the most so far? What is the one thing that you're going to end up remembering from this weekend? Well, Rob, you're not going to like me at all, and I'm sorry. But it was Teddy Allen eliminating Connecticut. He did it by himself. Yeah. Literally by himself. This was an amazing win by New Mexico State. They had not won an NCAA tournament game in three decades. And Chris Jans is now at Mississippi State. So that shows you what, what that means. And what New Mexico State did in this game is They defended UConn at such a high level. They packed it in. They made UConn take threes. And Teddy Allen was a bucket. 37 points in this game. The key bank center became Allen land. And he just kept on willing his team. I'm impressed, Row. It was the classic. Every time he hits a big shot, he's looking at the crowd. Chest pump. Crowd now is behind this kid. So that was the, the defining shot for me uh, of the weekend out of all the things I witnessed that and, and Providence clinching a a sweet 16 ticket for the first time in 25 years. They did it in, in a pretty commanding fashion at the end of the day, but I saw real tears. I saw real tears from Bob Driscoll, their athletic director who's going to retire this year. I saw real tears from Norris Cooley, who at one point in her life was working as a police officer, a police officer way back when, to help make ends meet when Ed Cooley was making about $13,000 a year as an assistant coach. This is what these people came from. And now a dream is fulfilled. So those were a couple of the things that I got to witness here this weekend. And the last thing, I know you asked me for one, Houston has some dudes. Houston, (laughs) Houston could make a final four. Fanta, while you're at it, can you just mention every team that won a game in the NCAA tournament while 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 you're on a roll? I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. Those were the those were the three things I got to witness live, though. Well, those the, the reason yeah. the reason I went to you first there is because I knew I knew we were going to get a little bit of a a, a Fanta ranta. So uh, now me and T.O. can a say Fanta ranta. I love yeah. it. 
a Fanta Ranta. So Tia, what was what was the most memorable moment? Your biggest takeaway? What, what's going to stick with you from the first weekend? The, the biggest thing, obviously, St. Peter's and Shaheen Holloway. Uh, I mean, that goes without saying. And I know Kevin Willard's out of Seton Hall and everybody just it's the worst kept secret in the history of college basketball coaching searches. Who's going to be the Seton Hall's next coach? It's going to be Shaheen. But the, the competitive drive behind it with him and then how that uh, was it gets over to his team and how they follow suit is awesome. And they beat a Kentucky team that a lot of people, including myself, picked to win the national championship. And they just gritted it out. And they were just tougher. And their bodies weren't as big. But to, to quote a Fantaism, I would say their hearts were bigger. And, and like those guys play with such a competitive drive. And my other team guys, I was blown away by Houston. Because I know Illinois is as sporadic as I've ever seen a team be. A really good sporadic team that thrives off their own chaos. But Houston was not letting any of that go undetected. They, if, if Illinois made a play happen, they rotated correctly. Everything is difficult. You cannot pass the ball. You're not going to get an easy shot. Every rebound is contested. That culture down at Houston and Kelvin Sampson lost his best two players. I feel like we've said that a million times. Ed Cooley is the national coach of the year. Kelvin Sampson needs to be in that conversation as well. Mm-hmm. For for Kelvin, more than anything else, is the culture that he has developed there. And I've said this probably a hundred times over the course of the last fourteen hours. Uh, but it, the the fact that there's su- such a next man up attitude, they it doesn't matter how many guys they lose that average eighteen points a game. There's always someone else ready to go. Whether it's Jamal Sheed stepping in um, for Marcus Sasser, or Tajay Moore waking up and, and turning into this guy, like he's a stud, dude. Tajay Moore is an absolute stud, and it's such mm-hmm. a perfect example of uh, of why Houston works. For me, there are two things that are really going to stick stick out for me. Um, St. Peter's, St. Peter's is a giving, right? And, and I, one point I do want to make on them for both of you guys, it's like that wasn't just some mid major waking up and making. Uh, 25 threes in the game to beat someone like they went out and they ran really good stuff. They had dudes execute. They had guys that were up for the moment and make plays to beat these teams like this. That wasn't a fluke thing. Does that, does that make sense? Like St. Peter's went no, out there and they, they kicked their ass. Guys. No, not, not at all. I, I went and saw this team practice in October and it's as hard as I've seen a team practice all year, mm-hmm. all yeah. year. This is a team that takes on the identity of their coach. Jaheen Holloway, McDonald's All-American. He played in the McDonald's All-American game with Kobe Bryant. Guess who was the MVP of the game? Shaheen Holloway. Shaheen Holloway. This this guy is just, I I, I have to go on a rant here. Oh, boy. Um, he, He is the epitome of a guy who had been doubted before, had been questioned. Once upon a time, he picked George Blaney at Seton Hall over Mike Krzyzewski at Duke. That's incredible. He was recruited by Georgia Tech, California, Duke, and Seton Hall University. And he loves that that mentality. And he'll tell you, he's not a Jersey guy. He's a Queens guy. He's I, from oh, Queens. Oh, man. I love that line. For, for the people that missed it, he, Jamie Erdahl, uh, she's great, but at the at the end of the post game press conference after he advanced to the Sweet Sixteen, she goes, "You're a Jersey guy. What does this mean for Jersey?" And he's like, "No, I'm I'm not a Jersey guy. I'm a New York guy." And I was like, yep. "Yeah, yeah, damn right." He, uh, he also had a, he had he had a quote. It's fan. I want to read this to you because I know that you're gonna love this. 
he said, I've got guys from New Jersey and New York, New York City. You think we're scared of anything? You think we're worried about guys trying to muscle us and tough us out? We do that. That's who we are. Man, I love that quote. Why would you want to play fake. for a dude like that? It's no, not. It's, it's not fake. This guy's real. This guy's real. He expects the best from his players because he gives the best. And that's a staff that's making very minimal dollars. The operating budget is low. If you walked around that campus, you'd walk a total of two blocks. There, There is no campus life there. That's the thing about it. Like They have no budget. There is no campus life. It's kind of a, a commuter school, more or less. And uh, he's found a way to get it done. If you go back, Jeff Gooden did a rankings for for every every conference that like ranking the, the jobs, ranking the jobs of every conference, right? Um, St. Peter's is the worst job in the Mac. And I don't even really think it's close. Yeah. I mean, it's a hard job and, and what they've done with the the facility alone in the last two years is pretty impressive because it came from nothing. It was a high school gym, but it is a really hard job. It'll, it'll, it'll go up at least a notch in those rankings after this run because they've, they've made over a hundred million dollars this past week. That's unbelievable. It is no, the it, greatest. It is the greatest moment in the university's history. And it's not close. Yeah. I would venture the, to say it's true. What's their operating budget coming into the year or coming into the game was like 1.6 million compared to Kentucky's, which was over their operating three or something. Here, here's here's the craziest stat. Their operating budget was twenty percent of Coach Cal's salary. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's, that's <laughs> their op, their operating budget could not pay for Coach Cal's coaching staff. It was funny. We played so my first year coming back from Europe. I was on staff at Clemson, and St. Peter's came down to Clemson, and I remember talking to Antonio Reynolds Deans, who's a former Rhode Island guy, and he's familiar with the north uh, Northeast, and he goes. You know, it's going to take a second, but if there's anybody who can get St. Peter's going, it's Shaheen because of he's so tough and smart and, and he gets it all done. But the way they played against us, I think they were two and six or two and seven coming into the game, I, if my memory serves me correctly. But they ran good stuff, and then he let his guys go. Like, it was a perfect combination of both. Like, if you have an early opportunity, go ahead and take it. If you don't, make sure that you – uh, you know, we run our stuff and it's, it's pretty good stuff. There's a lot of, of, you know, what is it called? You know, counters to everything that you do defensively. He figures it out. He sees all that stuff. Like re- really, uh, I mean, good for them. Good for them. A yeah. hundred million dollars. Good for them. Yeah. They exploited mismatches. I think it was a hundred million dollars of brand exposure. I don't yeah. think they made. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, cause you, you said they made, a, it was what, yeah, regardless of, they did. They, I mean, it's brand exposure, but it's the same thing. You're on today. You're on Good Morning America. Yeah, true, you, true, th- true. Put it all. I'm saying, pack, parlay that all together in what you're going to be able to do from a enrollment standpoint. Yes. From a, just an awareness yes. standpoint. Like it was when huge. it's all when it's all said and done, it'll be the biggest money maker in the history of the school. They're making thousands of dollars upon thousands of dollars by the hour of merchandise. I. Uh, my brother lives in Cincinnati. He just asked me to go drive over to Jersey City and pick him up a hoodie. I kind of want to get a hoodie too, man. We got to okay, uh, add I, you to the package. Except I want my hoodie to say "Nuts Hanging Dagan" with a picture of Doug Eater. Vanda <laughs> wasn't Vanda wasn't there for that. I don't know if the listeners were there for that. It was uh, uh we'll tell that story in a little bit. I, I'll I'll tell you this: there were Dagan two basically. Dagan basically named himself that. He gave himself his own nickname. 
So mm-hmm. he said, I won't refer to, I won't respond if you just call me. Dave okay. Anymore. So yeah, we'll, we'll do the, we'll do the full story. So um, we were, when we were in Philadelphia for the live shows, uh, it was after St. Peter's had won. Um, they, everyone went nuts because I said, I asked Shaheen Holloway why his players, why he, how, how he gets his players to, to play, to let their nuts hang when they play the way that they do. Um, and uh, Dagan thought it was funny. We asked, uh, someone asked us who would play, like if, 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 if they were, if, if we had actors doing the movie of Field of 68, who would play each of those characters? And someone said Doug Eater would, would play Dagan. And so that turned into calling him Nuts Hanging Dagan. And as soon as we said Nuts Hanging Dagan, he was like, that's not going to stick. That's not going to be a thing. And we were like, no, actually, now it is going to be a thing. You just ruined that for yourself. So uh, that was the worst story of all time. I'll tell you guys this. Two things that are going to stick with me. Drew Timmy's performance in the second half against Memphis. He yeah. went he went full full national player of the year mode. Uh, we haven't seen it all that often from Timmy this year. It, it feels like he's kind of really settled into this. Uh, we have a great team. I don't need to go out and try to get 25 every single night roll. And it's worked. But when they when when Gonzaga needed him to turn it on or go home, he turned it on, went for 21 in the second half. I think he scored 13 in like the first six minutes, really turned that game around. Um, I don't. Did you guys see his press conference after the game when he tried uh, not to curse? Yeah. Oh man, that, that was, was the awesome. funny. We're not going out as no soft guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a flying. I don't F. give a flying F. <laughs> that good. Yeah, that was good great stuff. And the other one was uh, was Ben Matherin in in Ari- Ooh, against huh. Arizona or against uh, TCU. Oh, Thirty points, eight boards, five assists. Hit the three to force overtime. Um, you can tell that Arizona is struggling right now to do exactly what they want to be able to do without having Kirk Creasy available. And Ben, ben Matherin said, you know, F that. I'm putting this team on my back. We're making a run. Uh, so those are going to be the two things that stuck out for me. Who is your fancy? Let me ask you this. Who is your first weekend MVP? Who was the, who was the best player? Who is the most outstanding player? Who, who, do you, who, who stood out for you more than anybody else? Well, I mean, I, I think Ben Matherin is March Madness spirit animal. He was absolutely outstanding. His emotion, his ability to push Arizona to the finish line, he pushed his team to the finish line. That was an exceptional grown man's performance. I, I could not be more impressed by what I saw from him this weekend. And, I and he agree killed a guy with a dunk. Oh, yes, he did. He put everybody on their head. He put everybody on their head. He took San Diego and made it his town. I am so impressed by that kid. He breathes toughness, and mm-hmm. he willed them. He is the unquestionable. You you could pick a couple others, uh, but he's my unquestionable MVP. Uh, what I witnessed last night, where they're down by three, three with 90 seconds left in regulation, I thought they were going to lose. Oh, yeah, me too. I thought Arizona was losing that ball game. You know why they didn't lose? Ben frickin' Matherin, that's why. He is a tough you-know-what. We got to call him BFM from now on. Ben fucking Matherin. I like that. I like that. Uh, My MVP goes to a Carolina guard. R.J. Davis was a dude. And, guys, I I don't know what it is. It's like when Caleb Love kind of let go of the ball, R.J. Davis started to thrive. And it turned Caleb Love into more of a catch-and-shoot shooter, not doing as much ball handling. They're letting R.J. Davis be great, and boy, was he great. 
uh, in their game against Baylor. Ended up with 30 points, I think six and five. I don't have the stats right in front of me. But his ability and quickness to get to the rim as fast as he does, he's got the ball on a string. He's not the physical guard that like a Ty Lawson is, but he's every bit as quick. And his ability to get into the paint, when he's knocking down shots, you can forget it. I don't know how you guard him. And if Carolina is able to hold on to him for another year, that that might be a top three-point guard in the country coming back next year. And he's somebody that everybody's going to have to watch and everybody's going to have to hear about. Because if he plays like he has over the course of the last month, all next season, the hype is going to be real. And the hype is going to be worth it because his ability with the basketball in his hands is second to none. I don't know that Caleb Love comes back for another year, so they're going to have somebody else slide in, just going to enhance his responsibility, which I think is a good thing because of how good a player he's become. But uh, 36 or 30 points, six boards or, or six assists and five boards, I might have those flip-flopped. But, man, as good as he needed to be against a Baylor team that just battled and just continued to fight. And there was a lot of things happening in that game, but he rose to the occasion. That's my MVP. Yep. Um, I have two. And so I'm, I'm going full John Fancy here, and, and I'm just going to name everybody. Uh, the first one is Isaiah Wong. Um, mm-hmm. I think that he's, he's the best player on Miami. Uh, he was the best player on Miami in the first weekend. He had 22 against USC in that win. Um, he had 21 against Auburn in, in just it ended up being a blowout, man. T.O., you could take your victory on that uh, victory lap on that when we get to it. But um, yeah, Isaiah Wong was incredible this weekend. And I also want to give give credit to uh, to to Hunter Dickinson. Um, yeah. He had 21 points, six boards, four blocks. Uh, he, he being the guy that they kind of ran offense through um against Colorado State being something of a mismatch like he was really really good in that game and then against Tennessee 27 points 11 boards four assists he was uh he proved himself a first team all-american and, and the the hype that he had coming to the season uh was real um and he proved that uh today we're going to get into a region by region breakdown of the sweet 16 but first so I want to let you know that today's episode of the DTF podcast is sponsored by Honey which is the easiest way to save money when shopping on your phone or your computer. Have you ever been in this spot, guys? You're shopping for something online. You get to check out when it asks you for a promo code. You start Googling, trying to find some way to save a little bit of money. Thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past because Honey is the free tool that scours the internet for you and finds the best one that fits your cart. Here's how it works. You're shopping. You check out. The Honey button pops up. You click apply coupons. You wait a few seconds and you watch the price that you pay go down. I use honey myself. I just bought my son all of his T-ball gear uh, for the season over the weekend. And anyone that has kids, fancy, you don't know about this yet, T.O., you definitely do, knows how expensive that stuff can get. But uh, with honey, I saved myself a cool $45. That's not bad. Uh, It was about 25% off the total. So uh, it's free. It's so easy, and it works on a desktop. It works on a laptop. It works on an iPhone. All you have to do on your phone is just activate tab on the Safari app. So if you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out. By getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this show. I never recommend something that I don't use myself. So get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash March Madness. That's joinhoney.com slash March Madness. The link will be in the description. Uh, all right, let's go through a region by region breakdown of uh, what we got coming up. I want to start with the West because I think that's the most interesting. Gonzaga survived. They take on Arkansas, who knocked off New Mexico State in one of the uh, the more hideous <laughs> games of basketball I've ever watched. 
at the other side of that bracket, Duke is alive. They came back from five down to beat Michigan State, and Texas Tech survived uh, survived Notre Dame in a game that was, again, not all that pretty. I'm going to go to you first on this one, T.O. Um, Duke, I thought I thought they were done. I thought when they got down by five to uh, to Michigan State with about five minutes left, um, that they were they were collapsing. We we're going to see another North Carolina. They found a way to get through. Uh, where where do you stand on the Blue Devils? What are their chances against Texas Tech? And and can they get out of the West region? Here's my issue with Duke: is that the, the problems that they exhibited against Michigan State are very real issues. Like they they can turn it over, they can go on a really bad run out of nowhere, but at the same time, they're so offensively talented, they just find a way. That worries me against a team that they're going to play next in Texas Tech mm-hmm. because Texas Tech is so stinking tough. They, they, they spit nails. Like these guys are so uh, physically spit nails. You heard me. They, yeah. they are so physically gifted around the perimeter and so strong. I think that they're going to provide a different matchup than a lot of teams in the ACC have this year just because of their physical strength. They're not the tallest team, but they are, might be the strongest team. And defensively, are they going to be able to score enough Texas Tech? I don't know. But I do know that Duke uh, better tie their shoes up tight because they are, Texas Tech is going to bring it to them. Duke's good. We, they didn't show anything we didn't already know. Individually talented, really, really talented. That, that's about as far as that goes. Can Coach K get them over the finish line uh, when it comes down to play calling time? And I know that might catch a lot of flack, but it's no secret that there's other guys that have, done a better job this season if you even look back at virginia tech in the finals of the acc tournament uh, if he can get them over the finish line if he can get a couple of extra possessions for duke i don't see how they lose it's just a matter of are they going to be tough enough physically to keep up with texas tech who might break some bones in the process of getting to the elite eight well i think that that duke has a path and if Jeremy Roach can give them what he gave them on Sunday, which is a big ask, but that's the season that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. We are in big ask season. You have got to answer the bell to win. Uh, Roach gave them a huge, huge boost late in the game. And he came up with big-time plays all throughout the day, but, but really stepped up down the stretch, and that's the biggest thing we've been talking about with Duke all season long is what are they getting on the perimeter. Well, They had guys in double figures. They achieved a level of balance. They put up 85 on Michigan State. Texas Tech had a lot of trouble scoring the basketball against Notre Dame. Like, a lot. There were stretches in that game. I never felt Texas Tech was going to lose that game. But because of their inability to score the ball at times, it was on the table. It was on the table. That was a very tight game at the under four timeout in the second half and Texas Tech the, you know how they scored the ball off of offensive rebounds mm-hmm. they were scored that's not going to happen as much against Duke mm-hmm. it happened against Notre Dame that will not happen as much against Duke yeah they're gonna I, have to force turnovers and get out in transition I think yes I lean Texas Tech in this game because I think that they're just so so tough defensively and if they get McCuller and O'Banner going. Terrence Shannon Jr. gave them nothing yesterday. I mean, he only played 18 minutes. He only scored three points. Uh, Bryce Williams is, is a guy that they're crowning on. They just don't have much going on from a backcourt perspective. I think this is going to be a great game. This, this is the most interesting Sweet 16 game to me. It's a toss-up game. But when we talk about the rest region as a whole, do you guys honestly think 
that it's not Gonzaga coming out of the West because I can't see it. I think that I, they will be the West regional champions. I think I think Arkansas. I think that they will be too. Um, but this is it, this is a really really difficult draw. They ma- Arkansas matches up really well with them for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. One, Jalen Williams can space the floor and pull whoever is guarding him away from the basket. I think you probably need to put Chet on him um, because uh, you know. I, Maybe you don't. I don't know how he was going to end up doing that, but Jalen Williams' ability to pull people away from the basket. He's tough and more physical than people realize, 6'10", 245. They have so many strong athletic wings. J.D. Notay can go and win a game by himself. And the one thing we know about Muss is he is an elite game planner, right? Like he can find a way to win one game and do something to take away what you do best. Uh, Teddy Buckets, he had 37 against UConn. He looked like the second coming of Steph Curry. I was ready for him to be to put Teddy Buckets and Harold to show Arsenal in the same conversation in terms of dudes just <laughs> went absolutely, uh, just absolutely like full eruption. Um, and he did nothing. He like, he was, he was a shell of what he was against UConn against Arkansas. And that's because Musk basically said, anytime this dude puts the ball on the floor, we're sending the second guy at him. We're going to face guard him the entire game. He is not good. We're going to let every, anyone else beat us. He is not going to beat us. And, uh, and it worked. Um, so that's that's a difficult matchup. I think that Duke, we've already seen Duke beat Gonzaga. So I think it comes down to whether or not Duke can get past Texas Tech. And I'll just say this, and I'm clear, curious your guys' take on it. It felt like Duke exercised some demons against, against Michigan State, right? And what I mean by that is they what happened against North Carolina was the moment got too big for them. Um, I think they felt the pressure of being in Cameron with all of those people there, with everybody watching, with the moment of Coach K's last game in Cameron Indoor Stadium hanging over their head like a fucking anvil around their neck, right? And it it kind of seemed like that was about to happen against Michigan State as well. It felt like that game was 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 melting away. It felt like they were going to be too worried about it. But then Paolo Bancaro was like, you know what? I'm 6'10". I'm 250 pounds and I'm the best athlete on the floor. Let me just go play bully ball and go get a bucket here real quick. Did that three straight times. Jeremy Roach came down and said, you know what? I'm Jeremy Roach. I'm the starting point guard for the Duke Blue Devils. Let me go over here and and knock down a step back real quick. Put us up by four with about a minute and a half left. It felt like that was... It felt like that was like a release. It felt like they they got something off of their chest in that moment. Am I saying Tio's over there fired up? He's ready. He's got his fists are balled. He's ready to fight someone. No. Is that no. am I am I crazy? I don't think you're wrong. I think there's not going to be a game the rest of the year, Final Four national championship included, that's going to have the same amount of pressure that that last Duke game at home did. So I think they have seen the absolute the the, the heaviest cloud that's going to be over those players has already passed. So when things are going to get tied, it's like, well, if we lose, it's just the end. Now, mm-hmm. if they lost that game at home, well, we lost. We lost Coach K's last game. Now they've reached a point. They're in the second weekend. Everything could buy. Like Sweet 16, there's no shame in that. I know Duke has higher standards, but there's no shame in a Sweet 16 exit. There's no shame in an Elite Eight exit. You obviously want to win the national championship, but there's so many good teams this year. It's very plausible that it doesn't happen. But the fact of the matter is, is they have seen the immense amount of pressure from that last game at Cameron, and I feel like they've been able to take a deep breath. I think that's the biggest difference uh, yep. with and them you know, in this we, tournament and moving forward. 
Yeah. You know what sure. else? They are they are they are underdogs against Texas Tech. Texas Tech is favored by a point. Fanta, you mentioned that you think Gonzaga is is the favorite out of this region. You think they're going to come through? Did was there nothing that worried you about the Memphis performance, or was that just kind of that was their their one shot where you thought that they were going to could get picked off? Yeah, I think that Memphis is playing better basketball than Michigan State mm-hmm. and was uh, this past weekend, and their length was going to give Gonzaga. They matched up with Gonzaga. They met the fight. Credit, credit to Penny Hardaway. He did a terrific job down the stretch this season, and Memphis guarded like they always have, and they were getting enough scoring. Uh, the transformation of Landers Nolly down the stretch for this team in the season changed the complexion of the group. So for me, I just think that that was a Memphis team that was red hot, playing their best basketball at the right time. There was a level of unknown with them overall because – you have this different star power with unique athletic ability. It kind of changes their ceiling. And I, I just thought that Gonzaga fought, 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 fought to find a way to win. And sometimes, sometimes along the way, on your journey to win a national championship, you might not look back at the fourth or fifth rung of the six-rung ladder. You might look back at the first or second. Because Chris Beard said on our shows last week that the first win is always the hardest to get in the NCAA tournament. The, and, and in this case, was the second. But it was, it was a, a situation for Gonzaga where they got tested and they found a way. I just, I'm with T.O.'s point earlier of Duke won the game. They beat Michigan State. The flaws that are still there with this Duke team are present. They're not going away. And that's problematic because the competition is only going to get harder. Michigan State, in a half-court offense this year, really struggled. And late in the game, their offense was not good. Wasted trips, empty possessions. Duke's defense had something to do with it. Duke can beat Texas Tech. You don't think Gonzaga had that circle back when they lost in Las Vegas? They remember what happened. They will answer and if they meet duke which i hope happens in a regional final give me the zags yep all right so uh let's move to the east i think all of us agreed that the east was going to be the region of insanity in this tournament none of us correctly predicted what that insanity was going to end up being uh st peter's won purdue is now the highest seeded team left in the tournament north carolina knocked off baylor um, I want to talking about the East. I want to I'm going to start with this to you. I'm going to go to you first on this one. Sure. Is Purdue now the favorite to make the final four out of the East region after I spent months saying how this team was not going to be able to get out of the first weekend was not good enough to defend to get to a final four was not an actual national title contender. Am I going to have to go back, put a little bit of salt on all of those words and just eat them all up? Just 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 a spoonful of salt. You're just going to have to eat it up. Uh, no, I. They're definitely the favorites to get to the elite eight. To the elite eight. I mean, St. Peter's as beautiful as this run was. I mean, they weren't playing seven foot five, so that's going to be interesting <laughs> to see how they try to game plan around that. Uh, elite eights for sure. Uh, the matchup in that elite eight, I think, is going to dictate a lot because I think UCLA has size to throw at them, mm-hmm. and UCLA they're playing as if they were just bored in the regular season. And now that the tournament's here, they're excited. They're playing hard. They're knocking down shots. Defensively, they've been good. Uh, they did, they've been through a lot this season. 
if if UCLA is able to overcome Carolina, I could certainly see UCLA knocking off Purdue. Uh, North Carolina is an interesting one because they rely so much on Armando Baycott to do everything in the paint. He's very similar in how, how he has to do everything for them as Oscar Sheboy was. Problem with that is, is whenever you have Travion Williams and Zach Eady, that's going to be a tough matchup for Baycott. So you're not going to get that same amount of production. I think it depends on who Purdue plays in the Elite Eight. They play Carolina, I think Purdue advances. They play UCLA, it'll be a one-possession game. I like what I'm seeing from those Bruins. Mm -hmm. And they do appear that they were bored at times in the regular season. It really looks like that because this team is coming into form. They've treated it almost like an NBA season. I think Mm -hmm. this team is really dangerous and you know why I think that? Because Jaime Jaquez and Johnny Juzang garner a lot of attention from a defense. But Jules Bernard benefits off of that and hits threes for them. He hit three threes Bingo. for them in the win over St. Mary's. He opens up that offense and gives them a different dimension. So UCLA is a team that has an NBA look to their roster in the way that they are structured. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not sitting here saying that, that we're talking about that talent, but I'm saying the way that they play, it's all versatility. Switchable, interchangeable, point guard play is present. Tiger Campbell, wow. What a player he has become as the yeah. rock of this group, as the man who establishes things. And they have the size to match up defensively. They don't get a lot from their size on the offensive end of the floor. They don't need to. They don't mm-hmm. need to. And we often say, like, UCLA is the hard shot-making team. But there's a reason for that. There's a reason why the shots are going in. Because they're able to rise above. You know how they say, make them shoot over you. UCLA has no problem shooting over people. And, and they're in a position here. I think that they can muck, muck it up against Carolina. And that, because Baylor was not guarding the ball. And Baylor offensively, Baylor offensively was a mess for a good portion of the game against North Carolina, and Baylor still almost, almost only comes in horseshoes, almost came away. Uh, I like UCLA in the East region, guys. I I just think that they are peaking at the perfect time. They have a great awareness of who they are. But I think the fascinating layer to this storyline is Matt Painter. Matt Painter, Mm -hmm. for all intents and purposes, is going to be one win away again, Rob. One win away again from the Final Four, which, can he do it? Yeah, I... I think Purdue is going to find a way to get it done. Um, wow. I do. I, I think that they're going to end up being in the final four. Uh, I, I think that North Carolina gets past UCLA. I don't think this is a great ma- matchup for, for UCLA. Um, I think North Carolina is playing their absolute best basketball of the season, and they've really bought into this idea of, you know what? We basically just got to play our five guys. We'll play our five studs, Baycott, Manic, RJ Davis, Caleb Love and uh, and Leaky Black and just go with it and if, and and that might be enough to be able to uh, to get us to the Final Four um, and then you hope or, to get a good performance from one guy over there and yeah. that one guy happened to be Dontrez Styles who played well oh man he was awesome the the three that he hit at the start of overtime when, when Baylor makes this huge comeback right it mm-hmm. looks like I think everybody on the planet was rushing to get in those North uh, those uh, those Baylor live bets as soon as it went to overtime right. First possession, he comes down, he bangs the three in the corner. They get the lead back, and all of a sudden, the pressure is back on Baylor, who's shorthanded. Adam Flagler banged his head, looked like he he would uh, he was out. Um, Matt Meyer was banged up. They didn't have LJ Cryer. They didn't have uh, didn't have Jonathan Chamba Chachua. So 
Um, it, it just it sucks that the way the season ended for for the Bears. Uh, they just yeah. couldn't stay healthy. Yeah. But you know, last year they were uh, they didn't have to deal with any kind of injury. So it just it's it's one of those things. Uh, and it's something that the reigning the be- champs, the reigning yeah, the- champion, lack of success. It's amazing. I, but it, that tells you everything you need to know about the NCAA tournament and why it is the worst possible way to determine the best team and the best possible way to determine a champion, right? right. You're not that the thing about it. And the, I, I'm not going to on the show. I'm not going to bring up anything about was the SEC overrated? Was the big 10 overrated? Did we underrate the, the, ACC? why not? Cause, <laughs> cause here's one I, game. I know, I know. One game sample sizes are the, the worst possible way to do any of that. So that's just, it's a random, yeah, line. It's, but... it's a little bit of a pest peeve. Well, we'll get into that in a second. Let me just finish this point here. So I think that you're, you're not going to, but we're going to. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it. We'll, if, Fanta, if Fanta wants to go down that road, if Fanta wants to go down that road, we can go down that road. Um, what I will say is this. Uh, the three that Styles hit is the kind of confidence booster that you need for a guy coming off of the bench, right? It was a huge yeah. moment. And it, it, it you can make the argument that that's the, one of the reasons that they won because, I mean, North Carolina was just pissing down their leg. Um, I think North Carolina gets past UCLA. They are that, That's a horrible matchup for them because what – Purdue is is basically everything that North Carolina is. They just have better players and guys that are more effective in those specific roles. So I think I think and a coach who's been there a bunch. Yeah, a coach who's been there a bunch. And like we got to give we got to give Huber his flowers. Like he turned this thing around. Like he got this. He kept everybody engaged. Same thing with Penny. You got to give him his flowers too. Like the job that he did at Memphis was just absolutely terrific, keeping everybody engaged. Uh, That thing could have spun off the rails. Same thing with North Carolina, and they're here in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, but yeah, I think Purdue, I think Purdue gets it done. I, I, I really think that they're going to end up in the final four. Um, let me ask you this, Fanta, who out of, out of everybody in that region, who's the one guy where you find yourself saying, okay, he has to play well for this team to be able to, to, to make it out of Philadelphia. I'm going to say Caleb Love, because I think he's got to be great for North Carolina to win the region. And I think RJ Davis was great over the weekend. Phenomenal performance. RJ put on a show. But but I do think that that Caleb Love has got to give North Carolina his best. Because if he does, it just continues to unlayer what their offense is. This is a team that's playing really confident basketball at the moment. They look like a team that could make the Final Four with the confidence they're playing with. With the confidence they're playing with. I just think they're taking it to their opponent. And so for me, Carolina's ceiling was always determined by what Caleb Love exactly gave them. And if, if he and Davis are meshing, UCLA could have issues. UCLA could have issues because Armando Baycott's a force. And mm-hmm. North Carolina is playing a lot closer to a two or a three than they are a, you know, when they started in an eight-nine game. So I think it, it goes to Carolina because if their dudes play at the level they're capable of, there's a reason why they're wearing a Tar Heels uniform. They so need dudes head. to make do. They need dudes to make dude plays. Hell yeah! So I'm going to go with Caleb Buff. I'm going to go with the same team, different player. Baycott has his hands full over the next couple of days. Was it Miles John? Like like UCLA's got big guys they can throw at them. Uh, Purdue has huge guys they can throw at them. Uh, St. Peter's doesn't, but just congratulations, great run. But Purdue is just too big. Uh, if he's able to c- continue his play, and he's going to be severely outsized against Purdue if they were to advance, 
uh, he's going to give them a shot. It, like I said, like there's two guys that mean more to their team in that interior uh, than pretty much any other guys. And, and it's Oscar Shibway and it's Armando Baycott. Those two guys hold the fort down in the paint. If he's able to do that against those against either UCLA or Purdue, um, I mean, he's going to give them a chance. Caleb Love's been up and down, but I just have so much confidence right now in RJ Davis that I feel like if he's able to hold serve, quoting Archie Miller there, hold serve, um, and play well in the post with all those guys, I think it could be. I think it could be interesting for North Carolina. We hated on them all year. I was I was down on the Hubert train, and now, buddy, have they figured it out? Yeah, I'm going to go with Jaime Hawkins. The the UCLA kind of turning this thing around and getting it figured out and playing their best to me hinges on whether or not Hawkins one that that ankle that he rolled is healthy, and two, if he's uh, just as good of a scoring threat as Johnny Juzang and Jules Bernard are. Like he has to be someone that is capable of getting you 20 and 10. Right. He's got to be able to help swarm Purdue inside. He's got to be able to help uh, make sure that Brady Manick doesn't have a game like he did against Baylor. So to me, it's Jaime Hawkins is going to end up being the difference maker. All right. Let's head to the South uh, Kansas. They're rolling with Remy. They got to the Sweet 16 where they're going to take on a Providence team that matches up really well with them. We're going to get to that in a second. But I want to talk first about Iowa State, an 11 seed. It was picked 10th. In the Big 12 preseason poll is in the Sweet 16. And Miami, T.O., take your victory lap, sir. The floor is yours. Guards can go. Guards win in the tournament. And whenever you have guards that are tough shot makers, you can win. Isaiah Wong's a tough shot maker. Cam Augusti was a first-team all-league performer in the ACC. Tough shot maker. Charlie Moore gets out of passing lanes, gets a lot of steals. Shot maker. <laughs> Sam Wardenberg can pull out the bigs for whoever they're playing. Uh, a capable shot maker. He doesn't shoot a lot, but he's capable enough. Does to, he? Like, does he? Back out. Question: Does he pull out the bigs, or does he pull out his Torvik? Pulls out <laughs> his bigs, leaves his Tor- leaves his Torvik to his coaches. That sounded <laughs> weird too. That sounded really weird. That sounded <laughs> that, really weird. That was weird. That was it's because weird. you just made on. me think of Miami's coaching staff. So please. uh no he pulls out opposing bigs uh doesn't shoot a lot but he's a good passer he's serviceable whenever he protects a rim like he is Miami's really really good and here's the thing about Miami they play a team like Iowa State that's scouted to the brim they're going to take away a lot of what you do Miami has guys that could just make it happen for you and in the NCAA tournament where everything's scouted everybody knows what everybody's running uh individual playmakers can help it happen uh, Isaiah Wong, I think he ended up going eight for 10 or something like that. And, or eight for 19, seven of what those were like really tough shots. And the fact that they have guys that can make those tough shots, it's a little bit like UCLA. Jaime Hawkins makes tough shots. Johnny Juzang makes tough shots. Miami has two guys that can make tough shots and they go up against an Iowa state team who can defend in principle Brockington. He can't guard all of them. He can only guard one yeah. of them. So it's going to be interesting to see how Iowa State matches up with all those different players. I got to hand it to Jim Laranega because you called that too. Yes, yes. I, I we talked about what could be a March story that, that mm-hmm. reclaims itself, and and Jim Laranega will get a lot of of story time this week when he meets with the media on Thursday in Chicago because it, this is he's led George Mason. He led one of the more improbable NCAA tournament runs ever. Here's where I'm going to give it to Jim Laranega, though, guys. I covered Charlie Moore closely at his previous stop um, of DePaul. And I got to tell you guys, he was sometimes the other team's best player. In fact, more times than not, he was the other team's best player. Charlie 
is a great kid, but he never was able to make it really translate on a consistent basis for the good of his team. And whatever Larinaga and his staff have done, it's allowed for more to play a little bit more under control while also showing his flashiness that he can play with. He's a terrific passer of the basketball went on and 15 points, eight assists, seven rebounds in this win over Auburn. So impressive. You get seven rebounds against Auburn and you're at his height. Wow. But small can win. That's what Miami is proving is that it still pays to go back to the, the drawing board of, we know we got veteran guards. We know we got veteran guards. We don't have a seven footer. It's not who we're going to be. But if we can get our guys to coexist, and that's what they're getting right now with Cameron McGusty and Isaiah Wong. Wong plays like the town he's from. He is from Piscataway, New Jersey, baby. He is Jersey strong. Isn't this a common theme, Robert, that we're seeing all these Jersey guys step up in the NCAA tournament? Wong is another one. Great story for Miami. Now, I think that Miami, Iowa State, even the winner, daunting, daunting, because to, to me, when you look at this region, it's hard to think that Kansas won't be sitting there cutting down the nets. That's why they play the games. I think this might this could end up potentially being, I hate to say it like this, the least dramatic region. We shall see. Uh, but Miami, great story. Iowa State, what, two wins last year? This is a, a, a phenomenal story. I just don't know if Miami's guards are meshing. Iowa State cannot score with them. So that's an interesting dynamic to that matchup mm-hmm. itself. Yep. Um, it, it's it's fascinating, man. We got Iowa State. We have Miami at 10 seed and an 11 seed yeah. playing for a spot in the Elite Eight where they will take on one of Kansas or Providence. Uh, mm-hmm. T.O., we, we talked about this last night. Dude, I my really, head was spinning after you mentioned this last night. I, I really like this matchup for Providence. I, I think that of all of the one seeds, this is the one, if you're Providence and you got to you gotta go, go up against the one seed in the Sweet 16, this is the one that you want. Nate Watson has the size to be able to, to take away David McCormick, right? He has the size to kind of, uh, I don't want to say eliminate him, but make what he does best uh, a little bit ineffective. Um, I think Justin Manai, you could throw him on Oshai Abaji. That's and- true. And Obaji's, I don't want to say he's going to be in the torture chamber. That's probably making it a little bit too strong, but I think he's going to be able to make life difficult for him. Horkler um, can stay in front of Jalen Wilson. Horkler yes. can match up with Jalen Wilson. They have Jared Bynum and Al Durham and a couple other guards, AJ Reeves, that should, in theory, be able to hang with uh, with Christian Brown. And they, so I think that they're going to be able to make it a game. Ed Cooley is elite when it comes to one game curveballs i'm very interested to see what he's going to put together for this group um i think they can get it done i want to say the line is let me check over at bet eight and a half yes last night it was eight and a half last night so i I want to give you guys something too that i i learned this weekend go ahead is it eight and a half you could check if you're still it's 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 seven and a half right now and before you do i just want to finish that thought real quick to me it's going to come down to what what remy martin shows up right like because he is the one guy we saw um, we saw it against Creighton. He's the one guy that could be a game breaker for him. Where if nothing else is working, you just give him the rock and say, "Hey, man, go, 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 get us a shot. Go get us a good one," and he can go do it. Um, he can also you can say, "Hey, go get us a good one," and he's going to shoot a twenty-eight footer with twenty seconds left on the shot clock and two hands in his face. So, um, Remy to me is going to end up being the difference maker. If if Remy gets twenty, I think Providence is going to have a tough time winning that game. If good Remy doesn't show up. 
I said it last night. I think Providence is going to be in the final four. I think Providence is going to make the final four. Dude, dude, that city might just be engulfed in flames. <laughs> it's, uh, do you know what New Orleans will end up looking like? Oh my god. Friartown, Friartown. How about New Orleans? I was I was planning at the start of this tournament to be wherever the field of 68 is in in New Orleans. Providence making the final four would change up the week the week schedule. <laughs> no, forget forget that. Forget that. We're bringing Friartown to us. Well, yes, I can't. That's right. We have we've oh, locked we're all it. coming. We're all we've coming locked, to you. Yeah. I'll lead we've the band. Locked, We've locked in a spot. I can't. I can't officially say what it is yet. Um, oh yeah, is not, everybody. The ink is not dry on the contract. We have a spot down there. We're going to be broadcasting live. Hopefully, I can let you all know uh, by the middle of this week. But it, it's we're going to every single Friar fan. If they make it, you better show up. Come drink. Oh, you come better, yell at me. You better come say hello. I'll come yell at me. Come come tell me how wrong I was about Providence. I want to hear it all. We'll have a beer together. We'll make it all right. Uh, but Fanta, go ahead. You were going to make a point. So Ed Cooley was in the hallway. Before the game. Yeah, before the game against uh, who they who they beat this. Oh, against uh, Richmond. And he's talking about the potential matchup with Kansas. And we are talking in, in the hallway. And he says to me, out of all the one seeds, out of all the one seeds, I think our team matches up best with Kansas. Thank That's you. Cool. Yeah. So yes. Rob is right on. And the reason why is for all the reasons you listed, Justin Manaya has been that nightmare guy for an opposing player, at least in the mm-hmm. Big East. And even this past weekend, they would they would pin him on Jacob Gilliard at times. And Jacob Gilliard played one of the worst games of his Richmond career. He was scoreless in the first half of that game. The biggest thing about Providence, Kansas is this. Who's getting easier looks? Who is getting easier looks? Because Creighton did a very nice job in four-minute stretches at times in this game of making Kansas's looks come more difficult. You know why? They stuck Kansas in the half court. And what matters more than anything in half-court offense? Point guard play. And that's an area where Kansas at times is lacking this year. It's an area where they can get exposed a little bit. Providence has the matchups to defend Kansas. Now can they get the tempo to their liking? Providence is also a really intriguing prep. Bill Self will prepare his team defensively this week for the flex offense, which is so weird because you know what's coming. You know what they're going to run. They run a million back cuts for a perimeter shooter, or they run a bunch of people from the elbow within to just Clog, 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 clog until someone either leaks out or Nate Watson becomes available. One thing I'm looking forward to watching, Kansas will not double Nate Watson. They'll play McCormick on him. They don't a lot to. of teams, a lot of they teams, I, I know they don't. Everybody else has. Like all these other teams are doubling Nate Watson religiously. And Nate Watson's been a non-scoring factor for Providence as of late because he's getting well, doubled. Didn't. They didn't, but yeah. they... They're a little bit different. They're they're all together. Yeah, when, when you have, have when you have a big prep. guy, yeah, when yeah. you have a big guy inside, you don't really need to 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 double team him. Well, that's but what I'm saying. It, 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 but but what I'm saying is you can stick to the people outside. Like right. Nate yep. Watson's going to have to go to, for 25 then. 
Well, that's the thing. I don't know about that. So there's, so I think it's a good matchup for Providence. I think it's a good matchup for Providence, but you know, look, if the Jayhawks are getting in transition, it's over. Yeah. And there's a Kansas is Kansas for a reason. Bill self is in the hall of fame for a reason. So like, if you're, we're, we're sitting here, they are the biggest underdog. That's not St. Peter's in, in the sweet 16, which should tell you, like, if, if they don't win, it's not like they, you should not be mad if you're a Providence fan and they don't win. No, but no. I think I'm I'm going to be betting on Providence. I think that this matchup makes sense for Providence. All right, let's talk about the Midwest. We got to get out of here. We got about 10 minutes left. Uh, Michigan's back in the Sweet 16. 11 seed made a run. Uh, they knocked off uh, Colorado State and then they knocked off Tennessee. Hunter Dickinson was awesome. Uh, they will take on Villanova, who is still Villanova at the other side of the bracket. Houston is still Houston. Uh, five seed in the Sweet 16. And Arizona, I want to start there. Fanta, unbelievable game last night. Ben Matherin, huge shots. Was that, was that, so we talked about Gonzaga dodging a bullet against Memphis. Was that the bullet that Arizona needed to dodge to be able to, to make their run? Well, I think that it may be, but I really like the way Houston's playing. Yeah. And so I think this is going to be another bullet that's flying at the Wildcats and could easily hit them. It could. That's just the way that that Kyler Edwards and and company uh, is it Taze Moore? Am I correct? Taze. Wow, is he playing well? And I got to watch him in person yesterday. I was blown away by how well he played. His vertical is off the charts. Might end up being the best, and it's it's got to be top five in this tournament by by a good margin. Arizona, to me though, you're right. They are having some issues at times of who they really are. Because Kirk Creesa in this game, he did play 27 minutes. They're trying to get him going, but he shot the ball one for 10 from the field. Mm-hmm. He, he's got to stop shooting the ball at times. Hey, he had one possession. We, we were watching this live last oh. night on After Dog. He had one possession at the end of the game where he took a three from the corner. It got blocked. Arizona got the ball back. They got it back to him. He took a three from the corner. He missed it. Arizona got the ball back. They got it back to him. He took another three from the corner, and I think he hit the side of the backboard. And then Matherin bailed him out. Matherin got the offensive rebound. That was when he made the play of the game. But yep. so Arizona's a little bit out of whack. This Arizona-Houston is going to be a war. Mm-hmm. A war. I don't know if I'm going bold enough to say Houston's going to win, though. I, I don't know if they're going to win, but that's the side that I, I want to get betting close. on. I think it's close. And the reason Woo! I say that is because Houston, uh, they make everything so difficult. Like, every pass is hard. Every rebound is tough. Like, they are so physical and defensively. Their athletes, you alluded to it, their athletes are ridiculous. Yeah. And if you don't have your point guard against something that's so difficult at full strength, it's going to be tough. I, I, that was the most impressive. I mean, we all understood Houston's good. We all know that. But losing your best two players and then still competing, like those dudes compete. You want to talk about culture we talked about at the beginning of the show? Is there a team that plays harder in this tournament right now? They're up there because, gosh almighty, it just looks – it looks a little bit – it looks painful. Like every cut hurts. <laughs> You're always like they're, – they're denying every pass. You can never – nothing's comfortable against Houston. And when you don't have a point guard, that could be an issue. So it, yep. it, it's going to be close. I think Arizona pulls it out because defensively they're going to be able to hold up. But it's here's, here's, here's why – here's why I think – Houston has a very real chance to win this game. Uh, one, they pound the offensive glass. And we saw it last night. 
Arizona is really susceptible to giving up second chance opportunities. Uh, Eddie Lumpkin, the big fella, just kind of waddled his way wherever he wanted to go on the court, went up and grabbed every offensive rebound on the stretch. That's why TCU made that run uh, late in the second half. Two, uh, Houston forces a ton of turnovers. They make it very difficult for you to run your offense. Um, it kind of gets to the point where you need guys to be able to make plays one-on-one. And the one concern I have about Arizona is they get a lot of the stuff that they run out of one train or a lot of their offense comes out of um, being able to run sets. And it's what they scheme and it's what they draw up. They be, like, I think Matherin is really the only guy that can go get his own. So that's something that's concerning to me. Uh, and without Kirk Creesa, that, that only kind of magnifies uh, the issue that they have running offense and, and turning the ball over. Um, what I will say is this though, if Houston is pounding the glass, that's going to leave them open to transition. And the one thing that Arizona does better than anybody else in college basketball is get out and transition and make things happen uh, on the run. So that's it. to me, that's where the game is going to be won on Arizona's defensive glass. You you clean up the glass, get out and transition, get those opportunities where you've got three on twos, four on twos, easy buckets, easy layups. That's what's going to win you the game. If you're Arizona, uh, I, I'm going to talk about Villanova really quick because I, I don't think that Michigan has a great chance to beat them. Um, I, I just think that the the fact that Villanova has spent uh, the better part of two decades willingly switching into bad matchups, willingly being able to say, okay, you know what? You might have a seven foot one guy inside, but Jermaine Samuels, he could handle him in the post. Um, they've been doing that for years before it became a popular trend. They have the, best winner in college basketball right now in Colin Gillespie. Yeah. They have guys that step up and make big shots. I just I, I really like this matchup for Villanova and if they can get to the Elite Eight, I really like the matchup against Arizona. I really like the matchup against Houston. I have two Big East teams in my Final Four right now. I think Villanova is going to get back there. Is that crazy? Wow. It's not crazy. What year is it? 1985? Crazy. Holy cow. That would, that be, would that be would be some insanity. We talk about the emer- re-emergence of the Big East. After putting all these teams in, that's without UConn making any noise. <clears throat> so, but here's the thing, too. I, I, I'm i curious about the matchup with Hunter Dickinson. Hold on, hold on. Gonna UK, UConn made a lot of noise. It was just a thud <laughs> as they fell dead to the ground, thanks to uh, to Teddy Buckets. What'd you call it? Teddy Brickets. Yeah. Teddy Brickets. Stick, to, st- stick to your guns. <laughs> so, yeah. After uh, he missed his first uh, five shots. Um, against UConn, and I was like, Teddy Buckets, more like Teddy bricked it. And then he didn't miss again the rest of the game after I said that. So, <laughs> sorry, 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 Coach Hurley. I mushed that one. Um, go ahead, Phantom. We got about three minutes left here before we got to get out of here. I think that things do line up well for Villanova. I actually think that Houston would give Villanova the most matchup issues of the three yeah. other teams that are in this. And if Houston beats Arizona, which I'm, I'm going to pick the Cougars. I just think that they're playing so tough. I could see Houston coming out of this region. This one has an openness to it. If Dickinson plays to the level that he's been at, the one big thing with Villanova that is not getting taken fully into account is we often talk about what guys are supposed to be to a team or how guys are in the equation. Villanova is playing like a complete team right now. Mm -hmm where it's not just Gillespie and Moore, all of a sudden, Jermaine Samuel shot seven for nine against Ohio State. Eric Dixon, who's only made 14 threes all year before yesterday, goes two of two from beyond the arc and is scoring the ball effectively on the interior. 
he, he's a sneaky good post-up player that is finishing right now around the cup. Villanova does not miss layups. It's one big trait of theirs. They make their layups. And I, I saw so many teams not do that here this past week. And Caleb Daniels is a real X factor. They really coasted to the Sweet 16. Ohio State made them work down the stretch. But, but at the end of the day, Villanova really coasted to the Sweet 16 without Brandon Slater doing a whole lot this past weekend. In other words, Jay Wright told me this. What Villanova's doing a nice job of offensively is they, in November, December, and January, when they were losing some games, they had option A or B, normally Gillespie or more. Now they have option A, B, C, D, and even sometimes E. And that is what's happening with the Villanova offense is there is some real, uh, just, just options opening for them, legitimate options late in the game for them to knock down shots. Yesterday, they post up Gillespie. Ohio State's not giving in. Gillespie makes a terrific pass to Dixon. And Dixon is the example of Villanova basketball in that he's fearless and is willing to take that three. He cans it. The game is over. They get an open look. They pass up good shots for great shots. And that's why Villanova could make the final four. All right, let's lock it in, guys. We got to get out of here. But, T.O., give me your new final four picks and your new national champion. Uh, final four picks. Let's go ahead and go. I'm going to stick to my guns. Texas Tech in the West, Purdue in the East. Oh man, that that South is just loaded. Um, Zona, Kansas. And who do you? you so three do you, who, do you, who do you have winning it all now? Man, you know what's crazy? I think Purdue's going to win it. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Fanta, what do you have? I have Gonzaga, UCLA, Villanova, and Kansas. And I think Kansas is going to win the national championship. Kansas winning it all. Okay, I have Gonzaga beating Texas Tech to get to the Final Four. I have Purdue beating North Carolina to get to the Final Four. I have Villanova beating Houston to get to the Final Four. And I have Providence beating Miami to get to the Final Four. Uh, We're going to have a Gonzaga. Providence-Villanova matchup in the Final Four. Rob, my head head will pop off. We're going to have a Gonzaga-Villanova national title game, and Gonzaga is going to cut down the wow. nets mark for you is going to get it done ladies and gentlemen listen this has been the dosser to and fanta podcast make sure you check out uh joinhoney.com use the code march madness go and check out our sponsors over at bet rivers make yourself a little bit of money i did this weekend i'm back in the positives i'm back in the green i'm back in the money so i have money to spend this weekend for john fanta for terrence oglesby my name is rob dosser we will see you again post new orleans no, I guess we'll see you again no. on Monday. Yeah. No, you're right. Post, post <laughs> Elite Eight. Next time we talk, we're going to have a final four all set. Fellas, it's been a pleasure. <laughs>